Welcome to Mystery Osiris and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. Yes, and we're here to talk about The O.C., as we have done for many a week upon now. The O.C. Season 3, where everything old is new again, and we do the storylines from Season 1. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess... I guess... Yes. 14 weeks. I was thinking, like, oh, I, I said for a number of weeks this. now. We're on episode 14. We're doing this for 14 weeks. 14 weeks It's very easy this. to count because the OC doesn't take weird breaks. Because <laughs> we control and we watch it. Yeah, exactly. We don't have to uh, be like, okay, so I guess they're taking three weeks off now. Question. Uh, yes. Riverdale. Yeah. Do we know when it's coming back? I assume October, but... Um, I don't know if they've officially announced. I could look it up. Historically, they have premiered... In or around my birthday. That that is true. That's usually when they come up. So let's let's look up. Let's see. Riverdale season four. The spookiest <laughs> season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, it just it, I keep on thinking that it's there's no way it can be season four. It says October 9th. Huh. Riverdale returns October 9th at eight PM on the CW. Once more. In and around my birthday. Now, let's be very clear. Is that still a Wednesday? Was it what it was? Still last? a Wednesday. Still a Wednesday. Okay. <laughs> I have the most fun birthday this year. A Friday. Unfortunately, a Thanksgiving Friday. So no one will party with me. Aww. For they have families. Aww. I, too, have a family. It's you guys, but... Uh, so... Just just uh, very quickly, uh, some places have now said that what Riverdale is is a, is a noir-inspired teen drama. And I assume, yeah, you know, I'd say it's inspired by noir. It's inspired by many things. It's inspired by many things. It's, in fact, inspired by anything that Roberto may have watched. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anything that he may have watched at that moment. Okay, I'm going I'm, to... So we have not planned this out, but I'm taking trying to take a quick look to see if... Uh, this is like, here's what we know about the premiere so far. But it seems like this website is... Useless? Well, it's really just sort of saying what happened in season three. Oh, well, that's not helpful. We all know what happened in season three. Um, Riverdale season three finale is accumulation of the show's first three seasons. Yes. With, with Jason Blossom, season one. The Black Hood, season two. And the Gargoyle King, all playing a role in the unfolding mystery. You mean slammed together in the last episode. Well, I found a website called the Wisp at mummyish.com. I'm looking at Screen Rant, so go ahead. Well, this has uh, informed me that Riverdale's third season has had the most satisfying payoff yet. No, 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 it did not have a satisfying payoff when they when the episode they're just like, and here's something you did. <laughs> here's something that had no, the only thing is all that it had no lead up. It had so much lead up to it, but then they ignored it for half the season and said, remember that thing we did back in the beginning? Here's the conclusion to that. Look, it's chic. <laughs> it, this totally is and staggered and weird. It's Penelope Blossom. Here's some questions. Is Jughead dead? Is Alice okay? And when will Archie stop fighting bears? <laughs> okay, he fought one bear. And a, a man bear. And a man bear. Uh... So this person seems to think that season four may be something of a fresh start. I mean, no, because remember how uh, didn't Penelope just disappear? Yeah, she just ran off into the night. She just ran off. So she's coming back. Yeah, they talk about how <laughs> they're uh, burning Jughead's, like they're burning uh, their clothes in Jughead's hat, and then Betty makes everyone vow that after graduating they'll go their separate ways and never speak of that night again. My website suggests that Jughead either killed Edgar or killed Charles. 
Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> so we think that Jughead's not dead, that he killed someone. That would, yes. that, would, that would also explain blood. So apparently Fred Perry will be killed off on the show. Fred Perry, huh? That's what they wrote down. That's what they wrote down? Fred Perry. <laughs> They have to know it's Luke Perry Andrews. Come on. <laughs> no, that's what I said. They, <laughs> they, they get the entire thing on this Screen Rant article with a typo in it. You are correct. <laughs> um, showrunner Roberto Aguirre's case has confirmed that Luke Perry's death will be dealt with in season four and that Fred Perry will indeed be killed off. That's like us doing our joke of Luke Perry Andrews, but they just... Stole it, and we're like, we can't steal from this podcast. Rather than sent on a long business trip, the loss of his father would undoubtedly have a major impact on Archie's life. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um. Okay. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Aaron. Aaron. Kevin. Kevin. Aguari Cicasa teased one thread we're going to pick up with it. With, uh, uh, we got to do a podcast where I talk. <laughs> one thread we're going to pick up is the idea that Betty, then dot, 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 because there's a quote to so mm. say something there, mm-hmm. has the serial killer gene. And that is a storyline we're going to continue into season four. And Charles will have a part of that. My website thinks that maybe Polly actually has a serial killer gene. Accurate. <laughs> but maybe that's from uh, that's from Roberto. That's from Roberto, who said who who I remember. Remember, we thought that serial killer gene might just be like a one-off thing that they did there. No, apparently that's going to be a thing that they're going to double down on. They also think that he's going to actually explore Archie. You know, Betty Archie. Even though no one wants that, <laughs> no one wants this to happen. Literally, no one. Not even Roberto. Well, then, then why would he do it? If there's one thing I learned about the show, Roberto has absolute control. Nothing happens that Roberto does not want to happen. And everything that does happen is because Roberto wills it. Well, this is why it's going to happen. <clears throat> the writers realize the only reason we're watching this tangled web of crazy is to see Lily Reinhardt and Cole Sprouse fall a little bit more in love. Then they say, but oh no. Riverdale loves in real life romances. And Charles Melton, Reggie, yeah. and Camila Mendez have started dating in real life. So who is Archie to date? I Jughead's gonna do a murder and then go missing. I mean I will I will I will I will say that I do feel like the maybe this amorphous writer's room, which we don't know much about. And and actually, probably about probably I do like them, just because... I do like them. They're trying, and just, they're having fun. Yeah. Um, but just because people are dating in real life doesn't mean... You don't have to put them together like, you know, your G.I. Joes and Barbies. But, Kevin, this is, like, this is a thing that is known. <laughs> this is how all of so One Tree Hill worked. <laughs> when they're dating in real life... I don't, that is my least favorite thing. That is 100% true, because in season one, he was all about Peyton, and then our good, good friend, cult leader, Edgar Evernever, yeah. played by Chad Michael Murray, yeah. married Sophia Bush in real life. And so then he and Brooke were very in love on the show, and then they got divorced because he fell in love with a 19-year-old. And then the showrunner was like, no, I've always created a universe in which... uh." Chad Michael Murray and Peyton are endgame. I know what's up. Never have we strayed from this. The, in Supernatural, uh, not Jensen Ankles. Not Ankles, Ackles. <laughs> what's the other one? Jared Palinicki. Jared Palinicki. Um He's literally married to, like, one of the villains on the show. Who And they just, I think, killed her off, so. On the other hand, on Supergirl, the girl. Yeah. Our, our lead, Supergirl. Yeah, yeah. 
The Supergirl. Yeah, the Supergirl was married to the guy who played her boyfriend in season one. No chemistry. <laughs> and then got a divorce. And the guy who played her boyfriend in, like, season five, boyfriend in real life, also no chemistry. I'm I'm just saying, like... <laughs> Maybe the stop, best chemistry stop, stop making your actors who date date on t- the TV shows. It's It's really weird. <laughs> Yeah, real life and acting are different. Actors are actors because they can act. There's that, it almost comes to this idea of like, oh, but they already love them. So clearly, no, just, no. just actors can act. You've, yeah. you've been in a show with like, with many people who you've had to like pretend on stage to be in love with and you didn't actually date them off stage. I have never dated anyone in real life, who I have kissed on stage. Yeah. And I have, in fact, hated people I was in love with on stage. But you acted it because you're an actor, and that's what skilled actors do. I was also once terribly allergic to the man I acted opposite to. That's true. I was so ill. Because he liked to rub his face on his cap before he left. And I, then he would rub it on me. I imagine. And I was nominated for an award for that illness-ridden performance. Because <laughs> I'm such a good actor. All right. Well, hey, let's stop talking about teen dramas and talk about one teen drama, and that's the OC. Because, hey, Aaron, it's season three, episode 14, The Cliffhanger. The Cliffhanger. Allow me to summarize this episode for you. Someone is so in love with Marissa, they cannot be less... Or more in love with Marissa, and it destroys their entire life. It's very Shakespeare, in the worst way that Shakespeare can be. Seth loves to lie. Kirsten doesn't have a storyline. Julie is being wacky Julie. Kirsten has ascended to, like, another form of being, where she's just sort of like this helpful angel who's trying to... <laughs> do good in the world. And this, the, the amount of times where she, like, takes a coffee and holds it close to her lips after she says something and then just takes a sip. All right, I well, let's hope I can one day grow up to be Kirsten <laughs> and, and ascend into angel form. Exactly. Okay. Well, let's begin, and we don't begin the usual way with with you know Seth and Ryan recapping the last episode. Uh, that'll come later. But first, we have Sandy. chaos because Sandy is just coming right into Ryan's room, where apparently he just sleeps with those doors wide open. He's just enjoying the warm California night. Yeah, that warm winter California night. <laughs> California. I guess because it is winter now, it means that it's regulating the temperature rather than summer where it would just be hot in any need. Yeah. Like, I guess the, I'm assuming the pool house is air conditioned. Yes. So whereas he keep, now he's getting like a nice breeze. Yeah. So he keeps the windows closed in summer so we have the air conditioning. So the opposite of Canada. Exactly. Anyway, Sandy blusters it and he does a real dad wake up. Ryan, Ryan, where's Seth? He's not in his room. Seth's an idiot and left his alarm clock set. <laughs> Even though he snuck off. <laughs> well, Ryan, Ryan, because. This is very old, like, season one rhyme. Like, he instantly covers for him. Oh, there's a calculus test. He went to study. I better go pick him up. Bye. He's, like, half asleep still. But he apparently knows exactly where he's going to go, so he heads off to the pier. Where literally every character will stand and mope this episode. (laughs) This this episode is incredibly pier-heavy. They just moved to, like, I... Can you imagine this filming day? It was probably, like, a 14-hour day, and they just moved from one part of the pier to, like, three feet over to another part, and then they turned around, and they waited till the sun went down and filmed the other parts. And just, like, rotated outfits. Yeah, like, every every pier conversation in this episode was definitely shot the exact same day. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, he finds him and he talks to uh, talks to Seth and mentions that you know Sandy noticed that you were gone. Don't worry, I covered for you. Speaking of covering for things, you tell Summer yet about your nonsense? Uh, well, not only did, did, did Seth say that he did not tell her about his nonsense, he has more nonsense because he tells Ryan that he missed the interview and lied to Summer about it. And Ryan's like, "Hmm, cool, cool, cool. That's not great." And Seth's like. Well, you know, Summer got over smoking pot in grade 10 and she thinks it's juvenile, so she cannot think I'm a baby, Ryan. <laughs> the fact that Summer smoked pot in grade 10 makes a lot of sense. What was again, I love this show's very confusing. Like like the thing is that this is about this is about the time where the moral stances on pot could be a lot more lenient. Yeah. Opposed to the 90s where it's like reefer madness. and I mean, I don't know the 70s, but the 90s was, you know, you smoke pot on a teen TV show that has to be outwardly shown as a bad thing. It is a gateway drug. This one, they definitely are portraying it as bad for Seth, but the amount that they say other people do it and like they're all kind of cool. fine for everyone else, but bad for Seth. <laughs> it's real bad. He's, he's very bad high. You know what? They're not wrong. Seth is, well, you'd think it would mellow him out. But it does not. It just makes him more Seth. Well, he also totally, like, as Ryan points out, he went down to the pier to try to buy another bag. And he knows half those people are... Are narcs. Ryan told him. Yeah, and the other half are pirates. Yeah. We know this. And so we head over to the the Coopers. Where Caitlin is trying to pick out bathing suits. Because she has too many white bathing suits. Well, she she also apparently has been getting all of their money because they've just been sending it to her. Accurate. Once again, what, once again, Julie's big thing, and I guess that's sort of the, the pair thing, is to make sure your children don't have to, you know, yeah. suffer. And that is that is sweet. It's something. It's something. Anyway, she's picking out a bathing suit because she's going for a surf lesson with Johnny. Ooh. And can we talk about Johnny for a second? <laughs> because I'm pretty sure when this show started, yeah. he was like clever and funny and, and like, charismatic yeah and, and like, like quick on the uptake and <laughs> was like a leading man type and like emotionally sensitive and aware he was yeah. very empathetic yeah he was like he saw marissa's crazy and was like hey dude i understand you're crazy let me help you process it and Marissa has somehow, like, destroyed him because now, yeah, he's coming into scenes. He, like, lurks around the corner all the time just looking like his life is destroyed. Well, he, he's really put on some sort of, like, like summertime emo. He's <laughs> like, like the California version of My Chemical Romance. Yeah, he, he, he looks like he should be walking into scenes just hum, humming, like, uh, uh, Miss Murder under his breath. Maybe he... Very AFI. Like, he just... He pops out around corners, which is what he does in this scene, because Caitlin's needling Marissa, being like, Marissa, are you mad I'm hanging out with Johnny? Marissa, do you have feelings for Johnny? Tell me if you have feelings with Johnny. And then Johnny... I don't have feelings for anybody. Johnny lurks around the corner and is like, hello. Hey, guys, have you ever heard of mindless self-indulgence? I'm here because someone is shoving a gun in my back, forcing (laughs) me to hang out with you guys at every turn. (laughs) I mean, it does... Remember how we said it feels like he should be off this show? He should be off <laughs> it, this show. It does sound like he's being forced to stay on the show. He's like, I don't really know why I'm why I'm here anymore. And well, I, I guess I'll just keep being in scenes. Re- but would someone write me lines? It's really stressful not to have lines. <laughs> Instead, I just got, got to just, like, mope in. His hair is also getting lower and lower. That eventually it's going to cover one eye and going to get a blue streak in it or something <laughs> like that. 
But of course, uh, he's still got to keep the the uh, surfer clothes on because he's not emo. No, he's beach fallout boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, they head off to their uh, surfing thing, and we go uh, and see more of the Co- of the Coopers and the Coens with Kirsten and Julie. So Kirsten, as always, is trying to work, and Julie, as always, is not working because her emotions. Specifically today, her emotions are about Neil and how she destroyed her relationship with him because her teenagers exist. Yeah, she has. She well, she's very much seeing Neil and thinking of him like, like a Caleb. All, well, yeah, of all the other like rich guys she has gone on dates with or seen around or has met in the Newport thing, where it's like, oh, I made one tiny mistake and now he'll, you know, now he's gone forever, forgetting the fact that maybe he's just a really busy surgeon, <laughs> and he is. Uh, but anyways, so, so they're trying to figure that out. And then Kirsten pitches a wild idea. Kirsten develops a real teenage plan. <laughs> and what I mean when I say teenage plan, let me describe her plan and then a plan I would have come up with when I was 18. So Kirsten's plan is that Julie should strong arm Neil into being a part of their dating service. They will then provide him with many noopsies, and he will realize that the noopsies are plastic and fake. But Julie is a real character on this TV show. <laughs> with lines and, and pathos and ethos. And motivations. Yeah. And then he'll love her. This is akin to a plan I would have come up with when I was 18, where I would be like, hey, I like this boy. I'm going to have a flimsy excuse to throw a party at my house. At this party, I will provide lots of punch. The punch will be very alcoholic. He will drink a lot of the punch. I will drink a small amount of the punch for courage. And then I'll stand next to him. And then he will love me. <laughs> By me being in the proximity, he will love me. I mean, also the flaw of this plan is that it completely ignores what happened what, the entire plot of two episodes ago, where Neil went on the went on one date with a noopsie who he was like, I'm just going on one day with her so she won't ruin Marissa's life. She's pretty terrible. <laughs> and then got relationship blinded because he's very alone. Because he cannot be without a wife. And just decided, I could probably be in love with her. She appears to be a real character now. Someone gave her lines. So, so yes. Being like, oh no, he'll go, he'll look at these women and decide that I'm better because that is not the thing that happened before. This exact same thing of making him enter the... Uh, the dating service to go on a date with someone definitely did not end up with him thinking he might be, go- you know. Definitely already backfired, Julie. <laughs> anyway, so that's now the plan. Cool. Now I guess it's time for school, which begs the question. <laughs> why, why is Johnny not at school? Yes. I mean, you know what? I guess he was very injured. Maybe now he's leading to the injury more. <laughs> But he doesn't even have crutches anymore. And also, he did go to school while he was injured. True. Well, who knows? Anyway, at the school, Summer is writing a thank you note to the interviewer, Shelly. Yeah, because apparently she, you know, she did such good, and they really bonded. And that's that. I mean, I do not doubt that Summer has is very charismatic in interviews. Oh yes. Yeah, she. I, I think she's probably such a breath of fresh air. Yeah, she's probably one of those people who. Who, like, yeah, their resume may not be that great, but they interview incredibly well. So as long as she can get in the door, she will get that job. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Seth tries to... Oh, man. He tries to keep up... He was going to tell her the truth, but he tries to keep up with the lie because she's just so excited and messes up because he thinks Shelly's a girl. And Shelly is a man, as a we man, saw. As we saw. He, he, could, he didn't even look inside the door. Seth. Anyway, he runs off, and Summer starts to suspect. Hmm. 
Here is a short scene where Ryan and Marissa have giant coffees because Ryan had a tough morning and Marissa had a tough morning. <laughs> and Ryan's like, Marissa, maybe you need to chill out about your sister a little bit. There's also a little bit where he's like, I can't help but feel like you are actually taking this Johnny thing very hard. Like, clearly, Caitlin was trying to manipulate me, as we know he yeah. figured out. But you, but you also are really falling for it. <laughs> you're really falling for this manipulation. And I'm just wondering, since you're falling for the manipula- manipulation, maybe some truth to it. Of course, that's all mental stuff. And what Ryan actually says is sister stuff. <laughs> but Ben McKenzie says so much in that one line. Well, there is sister stuff going on, and that sister stuff is the sister learning to surf. But and my favorite thing is that she this was not some sort of like um, sexy, sexy thing. Date. She asked Johnny, "Can you teach me to surf?" And Johnny, the idiot man, is taking it very seriously. Well, uh, also, he knows that she loves him so much. So the fact that he's not like that might not be a good idea <laughs> never came up in his mind. Oh, John. And this is like the one time in this episode where the gun has removed itself from Johnny's back and he is filled with joy. Well, he loves teaching Caitlin to surf. Well, surfing is the surfing is the one thing one thing he's he's got is that an invader zim. <laughs> I'm gonna keep making emo jokes. <laughs> uh so he's trying to teach her, she's like trying to convince him to like go back to his place and make out, let's be clear. And uh, he's thinking about Marissa. But and she's like try to, tries to convince him to, I think, either tell her or give it up. I don't, Caitlin has gone from trying to mess with Marissa to I think she actually does have feelings for Johnny. And she doesn't know how to have them. <laughs> so she's like at the same try. She's just trying to convince him to do something, but he won't. So she leaves the the scene with the line of, if you're too, like, like, if you're too lame to do something, I'll find someone who will. And Johnny doesn't take that as a as like a motion to keep pursuing what the hell she was just talking about because that's a, such a weird thing to leave that conversation like, saying. Oh my, oh my god, who do you mean? What are you going to do, <laughs> what, Caitlin? Are you going to find? I like. Are you going to find like another guy to try to seduce Marissa? Like, what's your what's your plan here? I think I figured out what's wrong with Johnny this episode. Yeah, I think the spirit of the ancient pirate has abandoned him. And now he feels lost and alone. Because remember when he stood at the sea and he shouted, he shouted at Caitlin, why is he not standing on the beach and shouting for Caitlin again? Yar, Caitlin, come back. Yar, all you listen to is Panic at the Disco. <laughs> no, their song titles are far too long, have nothing to do with the songs that they're actually in. Did you know that in 2019, that's just Brandon Yuri now? Everyone else has left. <laughs> He's also a psychic ageless pirate king i don't care about walking in and anything about a bride that song makes no sense (laughs) what is the logic behind it one of their videos has people wearing aquariums on their head i like that because they're fish in them but still what kevin the pirate king is not here (laughs) we see his sorrow yeah but that's why he left that's why he left. He didn't like the Panic at the Disco. Well, just like Caitlin left, uh, we're going to leave this scene and head off, head off to the <laughs> Newport group. Sandy and Matt have to do another presentation because I guess getting the developers on board is not good enough. Well, now they need to pitch to, to the Board of Physicians, which you think would be the easiest thing for Sandy to do, assuming that the Board of Physicians are physicians. 
Well, Sandy seems to think he can just do it, but Matt is following around behind him like a little devil dog, being like, oh, we got we got to play them. We got to play a game. Hey, guess what? The head physician is named Henry Griffith Griffin, and I, his daughter once had a crush on me, so I'm going to do a wheeling and dealing. And Sandy's like, absolutely not. Matt, let me do a Sandy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I would add more, but that's really is the entire scene. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right, well, let's head off to see, um, see the inaction of the other plan in the episode, which is the Kirsten plan for Julie to bring Neil a binder of women. Neil thinks they're all pretty, and it's going to take him a long time to decide which is the prettiest. And I don't think they meant to write the lines like that, but the way they wrote them, I'm like, this is gross. Can we, though, I think it is worthwhile mentioning that Neil gives her a look when she first brings up the binder that makes me feel like he knows exactly what this is. Do you think he's messing with her the oh, entire no, time? I think he is, because he gives two looks in this episode, and I'll point out where the, where the other one is, where it seems like, one, he is re- he's realized she's messing with him, and two, where he realized he might have went too far with messing with her back. <laughs> the thing with Neil is I usually feel like I can read him. Yeah. And then every so often, the actor will do one, like, reaction shot where I'm like, wait a second... Are you actually falling for all of the nonsense? <laughs> no, I Do you said, not see through all of this? No, I think if there's anything we learned from Neil before is that he that he is kind of a jokester in some ways. Like <laughs> he is he, a jokester. He, well, no, he doesn't tend to take things super seriously. So I imagine that he's like, I have feelings for Julie, and she's already like, we've already done this whole thing. We 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 tried to go on dates, so her bringing me a binder full of women to go on dates with is the weirdest thing ever, because I thought we were actually... And he's so, like, I know I said we needed to slow it down, but I literally <laughs> meant we should slow this down, because our teenagers... Yeah, so so I think that's also why when he was looking through, he was just being like, oh man, she's pretty. Yeah, she's real pretty. <laughs> like, he's kind of messing with her. He's just... Neil, the character, is such a good actor. Yeah. And the actor is a good actor, but... Anyway. All right, uh, so Caitlin is waiting for Ryan in his room... Which he does not care for. <laughs> yeah, people just, people just arrive in Ryan's room a lot of times this episode. Now, he does say, are you ever going back to school? Yeah, which might just be lip service because she says it's midwinter break. I'm just going to reveal that she actually dropped out of school. Oh, I think she got kicked out, which means Julie is the worst mom. Because <laughs> she doesn't know. <laughs> they definitely sent a letter. But they sent it to the other house. <laughs> they're, no, they're all getting forward to the Cooper house. <laughs> Which means it's just not the Cooper, the Cohen house. And Seth probably collected it while he was high. <laughs> oh, man, it's all coming together. All these threads. All these circles make a square. All these circles make a square. They've been building to so many things this entire season. So, Caitlin uh, is saying that she likes Johnny, which I do think she does. Yeah, I think she genuinely likes Johnny. Um, and wants Ryan to essentially shut down the Marissa relationship. Because I think now at this point she's realized the thing keeping me from Johnny is actually Marissa. Yes, so, Ryan, if you go pull a Ryan and be the man of action I know you are, I get what I want. Now, does she approach this in the most mature way? Caitlin does not. But if there's one thing we know about Caitlin is she has only ever gotten attention by getting negative attention. Yeah, that's why she had a fight club. 
is why she punched that horse, I assume. Yeah. She had two horses once, and now she only had the alopecia horse. I imagine she punched the other horse. Like, Caitlin doesn't know how to function in society, and that is Julie's fault. Well, this immediately puts um puts some like jets on Ryan's back, and he heads off to meet with Marissa, and immediately starts the conversation by being like, "Yo, so you like Johnny?" And Marissa's like, "Ryan, we've already gone over this," and he's like, "No, dude, y- you need to tell me the truth. Just like you got to figure this out." <laughs> now, is the Johnny thing that you couldn't talk to me, or you thought that you I wasn't listening, or do you love him? I don't know. And I don't think you know. So until you actually figure out what's happening in your brain, I gotta go. <laughs> and that's... The scene. And that's mature. Yeah. Yeah. Marissa does need... Marissa can't just keep ignoring things and expecting that they'll keep moving on. Sometimes she's gotta deal with things. That is the adult thing to do. Mm-hmm. She has to face it, because she does have emotions, and Ryan is, like, pretty level-headed about the whole thing. Yeah. But he can't, you know... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, we continue with uh, Ryan, essentially, on the next day, where he wanders in and sort of talks to Seth about relationship stuff, and then it moves over to Seth, who <laughs> has a plan. Seth is going to lie and lie some more and get his interview rescheduled, and then everything will be fine. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, but they're not the only ones who are having a morning. Uh, Julie has, once again... Yeah, really, really, like, held on to that poor thing. Yeah, Julie is doing her uh, real Trailer Park live-action roleplay. She's making grits. Which Caitlin immediately calls her out on her live-action roleplay. <laughs> Stop LARPing being poor. Mom, <laughs> we're actually poor. You don't have to LARP it. We could, we, I think she says, like, we could just have cereal. Cereal is also inexpensive. I think grits might actually be more expensive than cereal and milk is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're spending a lot of money LARPing being poor. Maybe don't buy all those pork rinds, Mom. <laughs> I mean, I presume the pork rinds are pretty. I mean, uh, they actually like the pork rinds. So well, never and mind. also, also they're huge. Like, so maybe she got like a Costco pork rinds that are really cheap. Anyway, anyway, as uh, she leaves, we get a little bit between uh, Marissa and Caitlin. Marissa's once again for confronting Caitlin this time about how she didn't have to talk to Ryan, and Caitlin's like, "Someone has to do something." <laughs> I don't know what my feelings are. I am sixteen. Marissa, I am a child, but you're a grown up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. I think they're legally all 18. Uh, yeah, you know what that makes sense. They can join the army. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. They're now adult. It's weird because they've been children for so long. Yeah. Now they're adults. Now they're adults. Anyway, uh, Marissa says Caitlin that now she kind of just wants her to leave because she was very excited when, and it's true, she was excited when mm-hmm. Caitlin was coming back. But now she's upset at Caitlyn, because Caitlyn's just sort of flailing. Caitlyn's trying so hard, but not well. Yeah. I have a very quick scene where uh, Summer essentially discovers information. I just want to say that that career college counselor gives Summer way too much information about another student. Yeah, it's it's so much information that you think it should come from Dean. Uh, no, not uh, the doctor. Doctor. Dr. Kim. From Dr. Kim. Because yeah. someone who's known for snitching, no. because this person needs to be fired for their lack of confidentiality <laughs> skills. Yeah. 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 She essentially, uh, Summer's like, hey, how did Seth do? And then she's like, Seth, Seth didn't. Seth didn't go to his interview. He canceled it. Here, he gave me this excuse. He's rescheduling it. I'm doing all of that. <laughs> and Summer's like, huh. 
Everything's coming together for summer. All right. Uh, Julie heads over to see Kirsten and give her the the good bad news. She's real mad that Neil picked a woman. And he has picked Lara Cross, noted treasure hunter and tomb raider. Also philanthropist. <laughs> yep. She's, she's definitely Lara Cross. <laughs> <laughs> That's but definitely who she is. Literally every single time. I was like, Croft? What? Well, and also everything they give her uh, is like weird sidesteps from Laura Croft. <laughs> we learn later that she uh, she runs a children's museum, I assume filled with stuff she has gotten from uh, raining tombs. Stolen artifacts. Though it's worth mentioning that Laura Croft isn't so much that, that, is, that belongs in a museum as uh, Indiana Jones is. Her thing is more of... I want to figure out what this stuff is, and maybe things will blow up along Let the way. Let me go root around. New Laura Croft is a lot more... Uh, Sciencey? Yeah, I can imagine. Probably museum-based. Yeah. Old Laura Croft, I'm not quite sure what her thing was. <laughs> anyway. The anyway. point of this scene is that Julie needs to be in charge of the scheming, because Kirsten is bad at scheming. And it's true. Kirsten's an angel. Yeah, yeah. Well... So Julie's got Julie's going to start... She's going to figure out how to, how to spy on them, figure out what she's up against, and then... Systematically destroy her, yeah. I assume. Yeah, as she does. And th- th- this is the this is the line that like, really clarifies that Kirsten is some sort of weird ethereal being because she goes, "Oh, Julie Cooper, be careful!" And then like takes a very <laughs> slow sip from her, like what I assume is tea. <laughs> but it's it's such a like, oh, you line to I'm going to spy on this person and destroy them. <laughs> oh, you. Oh, just keep doing that. Hey, Aaron, do you know who's still in this show? Chili? Chili! So Johnny is moping, because this is an episode of people moping. And yeah, Chili yeah. is essentially also an angel. Yeah. And it's like, hey, dude, mope less. Look, often you're in love with a girl, and she does not love it, love you back. Oh, and Chili gives some bro advice on um on unrequited love. He's like, normally I'd say get over it. However, you love her too much, so you your only choice is to tell her. And then she says no, and then you get over it. Or maybe she loves you. And, like, that's not bad advice. Like, it's... It's pretty good. Yeah. But on this show... (laughs) On this show, it's bad advice because, of course, everything around Marissa is a spiraling hell vortex. Um, But... In in, real life. in, In real life, if you like someone, don't do the whole, I'll just hang around forever and maybe someday they'll figure out they love me. If I stand near them and give them alcohol problem solved don't do that that's rapey yeah no and it's and like <laughs> yes it sucks get it sucks getting uh you know shot down but it's better than waiting around for years and just being like ah oh, but maybe it's sort of one of those things where you're like hey closure so yeah here's chili giving good advice for real life real life though i want to say what bugs me about this is that johnny has already taken his shot many times like this is all open knowledge yeah Johnny has said to what? Marissa, I love you, before. And they've acknowledged that he, like, even though he said it while he was super high of his mind, they've acknowledged that those feelings are real. Why is the show treating it like those, thi- those things did not happen? Maybe there's a new writing team for the ha- second half of and the they, season. And they didn't watch the first half? They just read summaries. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is sort of what feels, it feels like, there. it feels, it, it, I feel like I'm going insane. It feels like these four episodes 
are like a the same episode over and over. It's like we're in a time loop. Like we saw we saw this go through, and then four episodes we're seeing the exact same process go through, and they're ignoring those first four ha- ever happened. I told you this is season three, episode fourteen, where every old plot is new again. <laughs> uh, well, hey, here's a kind of a new plot, actually. So Sandy and Kirsten are out for dinner, and they have some cute banter, including the fact that Kirsten is so healed yeah. that she does not care if Sandy has a drink. Well, she also, because Sandy is definitely, like... Real stressed. Real stressed. She's like, you know, you can have... It's, it's a nice little moment of him just being like... She's like, being, you know, you have a drink, and he's like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah, dude. Yeah. You do you. Yeah, and the fact that, that she... That, you know... She brings it up. She brings she it offers. up. He, he clarifies... And that, like, that is that is a good thing. Sandy and Kirsten have not been this functional for a while, and I'm glad to see it back. Yeah. Uh, but they look across the arches. I presume this is the arches. Uh, and they see, hey, Matt's here as well. And they assume he's also sad. But he's not sad. He's there with a girl. No, he's dating. No, he's there with Maya Griffin, who's played by Marina Baccarat. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I was like, Kirsten info dumps that. Yeah, she info dumps that. The more important more I have is that, he, that she, he's dating... The person played by Maria Baccarin, noted for be, for being on Firefly and now in the Deadpool films. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think of when Firefly was released, and it was before this, right? Um... I'm trying to think of if that character needs to come back and have lines. <laughs> Great question. Okay, so Buffy ended in, like, 2003. Then following Buffy was Firefly and then Dollhouse? Uh, I thought Dollhouse... Uh, the thing is, Firefly only had one season. This could be right around when Firefly came out. Uh, Firefly was 2002 to 2003. Okay. Which means that she has to come back and have lines, because you don't... Well, and this storyline is not done. Yes, it clearly isn't done. I honestly think that what I thought it might go is that Matt actually has feelings for her, but he's like trying to hide them. Like, no, nah, she had feelings for me. I could date her. <laughs> Maybe I could try to, you know, for the for the hospital. <laughs> it's just another thing of people having plans, bad bad plans. Maybe I date her for the hospital. Maybe we fall in love and have children. And maybe we spend our entire lives together and are extremely happy. Yeah. So I was, I was trying to clarify when Firefly was because I wanted to figure out if this was like Marina Baccarat hired because I mean she also I don't think Firefly was her first thing but i feel like for, it was like a breakout it was a break it was a pretty breakout thing um <laughs> but i just feel like yeah you don't hire that she has no lines this episode she just sits there and smiles for a little bit i'm like she's got to come back and have lines <laughs> there's got to be a reason anyway uh sandy and kirsten are like you know all right well i'll deal with this but for now maybe we go to the crab shack and they're both thrilled by their dis- adult decision the crab shack, which I assume is that pier restaurant that we saw in the other episode. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Uh, what made you happy this week? What made me happy this week? This was a long week. Um, as you know, I had people over from my master's program on Friday, and I knew... I knew everyone was going to cancel their plans because everyone loves canceling plans. And uh, it just ended up being me and the two boys in my program. And they stayed for so long. (laughs) And I was so nervous about hosting. And then I was like, oh, this is just the two guys hanging out here with a um, Chihuahua weenie? Chihuahua. Chihuahua. For five hours. (laughs) And I had to work at 730 the next day. Fun. 
So what made me happy this week was going to bed at 10.30 p.m. on a Saturday night (laughs) and sleeping for a good eight and a half hours. Nice. I love getting eight hours of sleep and I never get it. All right. Cool. What made you happy this week? Um, this actually isn't this week thing, as I mentioned. Uh, so we talked about this beforehand a little bit. My old phone was trash. True. <laughs> Real Accurate. trash. Um, it's, it's battery life was four hours, and it wouldn't give me an accurate representation of battery life. So here's the weird thing. It's not like there's four hours. Is that if I did not use it, it could last, like, all day. Um, but as soon as I use it once for anything or if someone called me or texted me it would immediately drop by percentages and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be true about the percentages either it would be like you know 100 percent 95 percent keep going down be like 55 percent six percent oh god oh six percent i plug it in 45 eh, percent like, wh- <laughs> like well which is it six what? or 45 <laughs> and then i would say then you know you'd unplug it then you do anything i'd be like oh no six percent <laughs> Like, essentially, anytime I do anything with it, it would just go, oh, 6%. So, fortunately, our brother got a new phone, and I just took his old phone. Win-win. Which so mean, many phones. Yeah. And I used to have a, have a Windows phone. And the thing is, like, I got that back when Windows phones were coming out. Yeah. So, they were, so like, you know, uh, I was really hoping that they would be, Take off. be better at being part of the market. But I don't think Microsoft was giving them a whole lot of support because they just weren't they just weren't uh, and you would have gladly gotten another windows phone if there had been if they had been supporting the windows phones more instead they were just sort of like this weird anyway so now i have an have an android phone and there's like a bunch of things that i had never had before like a bunch of (laughs) apps that are very popular in the public ethos not ethos sphere yeah, that uh, I that you know I never could deal could deal with before. <laughs> I can order skip the dishes through my phone. That's a new thing. You couldn't order it through your phone before. You had to go to a computer to I, do it. I had to go to a computer to do it. I mean, I could probably do it through the website, but I mean, there was no skip the dishes app on. <laughs> you could get Instagram now. I could get Instagram. It it comes preloaded on the phone. <laughs> Like all, you could post things to our um, podcast Moa Instagram. I mean, I don't. The thing is that the reason I've never been on Instagram is that I don't take photos of things. Well, which is a problem as Instagram is. That's the reason why I'm better with Twitter because Twitter's mostly Im- mostly words. You do take good photos, though. Yeah, but I, but the thing is, that I don't take good photos. No, it's not. It's not. That I don't take good photos. I don't take photos. The photos I do take are pretty good because you know the the, the my history of. Composition. Film, yeah, composition. But I just don't take photos. So I just want to summarize for our audience the things that brought us joy this week. Sleeping for eight hours and having a not crappy phone. Yeah. It's all about the small things. Simple joys. Alright, well, let's head back into the show where Johnny and Marissa have decided to meet, meet up in the dark. <laughs> on in the dark pier, the very windy dark pier and they have a scene that's about love where he's like hey i'm just gonna put it out there i love you and i want marissa to go i know yeah johnny's like i'm confessing my feelings to you uh again <laughs> you like it look i love you and i love hot topic and i think i can make that work and marissa here's the thing i white fanged you and you didn't accept it <laughs> so that means you if not love me feel something yeah like let's be let's be clear this like 
Marissa's not in charge of other people's emotions. But she's sending him some very mixed signals. Yeah, she's being like, uh, uh, there's a lot of times where um, where a lot a lot of like uh, people will create one sided relationships with people. Uh, essentially imagining all these things that are happening aren't actually... Like, Trey essentially created yeah. a one-sided relationship with, uh, Marissa. With, with Marissa. Marissa's not doing a very good job of, like, shutting... Especially when she's like, Johnny, I don't think we can see each other. I want to get Johnny a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her, like, her breaks are, like... A day long, and then she comes back super hard with like, "We let's get him a let's. I want to get him a tree. I'm going to look after him while he recovers from his surgery because he has no one, not even his mother, a nurse. <laughs> yeah, so I am not saying that Marissa brings this on herself. No, but she's doing a very bad job of shutting it down. Well, and the thing is, Marissa does love him a little bit. Yeah, she loves Ryan more. I think. Yeah. Or she's comfortable with Ryan. Oh, who knows? Anyway, who knows? he confesses his feelings again and then just sort of leaves her in the cold of the pier. Sure, a good thing she maybe has a car. <laughs> maybe. Or just lives within walking distance of the pier, as everyone does. I was head to the morning where the Cohen and Atwoods, all of them, meet up together in the morning. And Sandy just really dads at Seth about how Seth has been so stressed out. And in this moment, do you think Sandy has smelled that pot? Oh, well, he knows. He knows 100%. That he... Seth has always been smoking with his open window. <laughs> He's... <laughs> Yes, then he has stood outside in the morning, like, thinking about going surfing, and it's been like, I'm always smoking pot again. <laughs> also, we when we see Seth smoke pots again, he also blasts stoner music. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if there's one dad who knows what pot music sounds like... <laughs> like, <laughs> and he blasts it so loud. It's like, he's like, if I turn this up, no one can smell it. <laughs> Which is why Seth cannot do a pot. <laughs> Uh, but this is followed by, uh, by summer arriving. Summer arriving, and she wants she wants to talk to him. She wants to talk up in this room, and she smacks him on the head. She is not full rage blackout, but mini rage brownout. Yeah, she refers to his deceit spiral. Accurate, accurate, uh, and that sort of just leads into them opening up and like talking about you know, Seth being like, you know, I was worried and you know all and these things. She's and... like, yeah, dude, me too. Remember how I had an episode about how I was worried? Yeah. However, he does not tell her about the weed. Even though, well, that's just because he doesn't want her to make fun of him. Sure. Well, I mean, as 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 as, as Ryan said, the problem is that Seth is doing it alone and hiding it. Exactly. Seth should be smoking his pot in front of Ryan while they all hang out and play video games. All right, well, let's head over to the Newport group where uh, Matt has been called in on the weekend. And weekend Matt is real chill. Weekend Matt's wearing a t-shirt. We've never seen Matt this chill. He's making casual golf jokes. Well, his story is that apparently uh, Maya asked him out to dinner. Which because, is reasonable. Which is reasonable because she found out that he was working on the thing and she was like, oh, cool, he's in town. Yeah. Which, if she did know him in university. Yeah. And he's supposed to be in Chicago. Yeah. This is pre-Facebook. She would legitimately be like, oh my god, yeah. Matt, what's his face? And this is what feeds into my idea that maybe, maybe he likes her too is the the fact that during this entire thing just some of the phrasing like he does say the things like sometimes you have to bend the rules and things like mm -hmm. that but i don't know there's a lot of acting which might just be like just uh the um the character the actor acting out this character in this moment but it does feel like he he never wants to clarify he's only 
dating her for that or that he'll stop dating her. Mm-hmm. He seems to want to date her. Yes. And Sandy just says, you know, be careful. Well, we do reveal something. We reveal. Sandy reveals something to Matt. Yeah. Um, that he sees parallels in what Matt is doing to what was done to Kirsten. Yeah. When she was in charge of the Newport group about how all these slimy guys would like come on in trying to get to her dad through her. Yeah. And Sandy's like, I really, like, I can do some things. I cannot be that. Yeah. We cannot be the company that does what people did to Kirsten. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see where that goes. Interesting storyline. Hmm. Now let's go back to the storyline that we've done before. Although, to note, Ryan is doing architecture. <laughs> I don't know what Ryan's doing in this scene. It's he's some sitting sort at an of architecture desk. <laughs> he, he, he look, he's either that or he's going over some case files. <laughs> and uh, Johnny comes on into the pool house and he's like, hey, Kirsten let me in. And I'm like, what? A grown-up let a child into this house? <laughs> well, Johnny's not going to just sneak around the back of the house. He goes up to the door. He has not been invited to do that yet. I... Then Johnny essentially opens up to Ryan about his feelings about Marissa. And I like to imagine that that's just what Johnny's been doing all day. (laughs) He's been walking around different people being like, do you know Marissa Cooper? I love her. Uh, Sir, I said the total is $13.45. Yes, but validate my love. All right. Uh, Thank you for visiting Hot Topic. Uh, Johnny I also... know I already made the Hot Topic joke, because I don't see if to double up the emo jokes. I only know so much about the culture. And you know what? 2006 was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny also apologizes to Ryan. He's like, I'm not trying to put you in a bad situation, but like, Ryan, I had a sea captain living inside me, and now I'm possessed by an emo ghost, and I need to do something to get all these <laughs> no, possessions I, out. There's a, there's a sick chance that the emo ghost is not a ghost, but is actually just Johnny's true form. And he just wants to ascend to a higher plane. <laughs> Brandon Yuri, He wants to be Brandon Yuri. He wants to go from Panic of the Disco uh, Brandon Yuri to Panic of the Disco Brandon Yuri. But now he wears a suit. <laughs> Does he? And then is his final form Kirsten? Um, Eventually he ascends beyond. No, I think his, his, I think his final form is Patrick Stump from Fallout Boy. Or is his final form Jared Leto? Oh, God. That's a terrible final form. <laughs> you know... Uh, I guess that's probably 30 Seconds of Mars. Yeah. Like, like the the kill era, 30 Seconds of Mars, was very emo. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not so much This Is War, where it became more, like, protest rock, but... Okay. <laughs> so, one day, Johnny will be Jared Leto, but right now, he's apologizing to Ryan, and Ryan's like, yeah, this Dude, t- <laughs> I'm not gonna be a part of this. You guys need to sort out you guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna keep doing my architecture slash looking over these case files. These architecture case files. I'm gonna be an architecture lawyer. (laughs) Architect lawyer. No, architect police commissioner, Aaron. That's the joke. I forgot the police commissioners also look at case files. They're, they're, They're the ones who mostly look at case files or police officers. Also lawyers. Yeah, but... Okay. All right, uh, let's head over to, I guess, some uh, some stealthin'. Some nonsense. Julie. Julie is dressed up like a Russian widow. Or, I, I said Audrey Hepburn. Better. Yeah. Uh, she's got a little bushka going on. But anyway, so she's all wrapped up. Well, it's the glasses. The glasses is what yeah. they be like, Audrey Hepburn. I almost said Tibby Hedren. I'm like, no, not Tibby yeah, Hedren. Like, That's not right. That's not right. Anyway, she's spying on Neil by sitting <laughs> one table away from him with, his, with her back to them. Talking to Kirsten on the phone and narrating all the terrible things that are happening in Neil and Lara Croft's conversation. Now, let's be clear. 
Neil knows she's there. The entire time. <laughs> like, like, when she is revealed to him, he doesn't look particularly shocked. <laughs> I think his line is, Julie, have you been sitting next to us this entire time? Well, the reason Julie is caught is because another woman... That blonde woman who used to have short hair, who I was asking where she went. Well, that's Taryn, apparently. And, and she sh- is so excited to see Julie, and then further on to see <laughs> Lara Cross... And that's so excited to see Laura Cross that she actually hooks Julie's arm. And tries to force her over there. Well, and succeeds. Like, it almost looks like she hooks her arm accidentally, but doesn't let go. But Julie stands with her back to them. It's hilarious. And, which, you know, is obviously not going to be weird to Neil and Laura. Laura, who has battled, like mummies in the past and fought tigers yeah, she knows when a per- woman's under disguise yeah uh she's got her two guns doing that she's not played by angelina jolie anymore no she's played by someone better i haven't seen the new, I haven't seen the, new one either. the new games are sweet uh but uh i don't know that uh anyway the reason that she's also discovered is tara's like have you met julie <laughs> <laughs> It's just interesting. Anyway, so that's when Neil does his whole, like, Julie Cooper, were you spying on me? And Julie (laughs) runs off into the midday afternoon, knocking over things as she goes. But this, and this is the reaction I said that makes me very clear, is because he does this thing where he, like, rubs his face and looks at her, and the the expression I got got off of that is not like, oh, gosh, she embarrassed me. It's more of like, okay, maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe I... Maybe I went too far with my, my like, poking at her. I think the problem is I've watched this show for too long and I've been, like, Stockholm syndromed by Caleb that I just assumed that he was like, look at that dumb female doing dumb female things. Because Caleb would have done the same face rub. Yeah, but I but it's, it's, it's like, it's a very subtle in it. It's the fact he does it then looks after her and, like, it feels very introspective rather than... I, I I don't disagree with you. I just am not used to male characters on this show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> not in relation to Julie, yeah. not sucking. Yeah, there are many good male characters, but the ones Julie spends time with. Yeah, well, let's meet up with some female characters. Marissa Mopes, Caitlin on the pier. Yeah, on the obviously on the pier. This is the same shooting day as all the other shooting days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Caitlin shows up and tells a story. Where but, we find out that Caitlin is the smartest woman on this show. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm going to say that I think she... Okay, so she tells the story. And the story is about how when they were younger, the dad used to take them to Baskin Robbins. And Marissa would try every single flavor of ice cream and then pick one, then start eating it. And then cry. Because she doesn't like it anymore and go in and get another one. Now, the, the, this was me being like, eh, thing about is that the, what what... What Caitlin, the lesson Caitlin takes from that is that, uh, was it, she do, Marissa doesn't follow her instincts? That's not the moral I take I, from that story. I think Caitlin <laughs> is softening the true moral for her sister, <laughs> which is that Marissa is never satisfied by what she has. Sure. And is always looking for the next thing. Yes, that that is more of what I would say the moral of that story is, is that Marissa... So it's, it's like Caitlin's not telling her the true moral would be like, you just got to, I don't know, follow your instincts, which is not, is notable that that does, that does not tell her which way to go in her decision. No. It just says, essentially, like, the moral of the story is do something. And then she summarizes with, I always got gold medal rib- ribbon because I know what I like. <laughs> and it's Johnny, Marissa. 
I I want to I want to also put out that I think that this was uh some bad parenting on the on the case of uh Jimmy, Jimmy? for for always doing that. Like the first time I'd be like, "Okay, so you didn't like that one. Let's do another one." But if if it's every single time, is everybody just be like, "No, Marissa, you made a choice. You have to stick with it." But I mean, come <laughs> if there's something we know about Johnny, it's that Johnny Jimmy, Jimmy he will do anything yep. for his family it, it, it is fun. bad it is, bad thing it is funny to mention that that is so in character for jimmy to be like no i will i'll do what maybe may, how about i just go in there and just steal all the ice cream don't worry about it don't worry about it. i'll ask them to invest some ice cream in this business and i'll take that ice cream so now we're gonna proceed into a series of like some short weird scenes Many short weird scenes, actually. Yeah, I want. We'll start with by saying that Johnny Johnny takes the most showers on camera out of any character, and he's constantly in the shower. Which him and Sandy just shower so are always in the shower. Well, and weirdly, like so, Johnny showers. Marissa comes Apparently. while he's in the shower, <laughs> and his mom does not think, "Oh, Johnny's in the shower." Hey, just like wait seven minutes. Instead, Johnny gets out of the shower, and his mom, who is very excited yeah says that he just missed marissa as if he had just arrived home <laughs> yeah <laughs> and gives him a letter that marissa left now i do want to say that that's kind of, that's kind of bad of marissa that letter we see later that was a pre-written letter i don't think she was planning on talking no. to johnny it was like she stood outside and waited until she heard the shower turn on <laughs> and then ran up and be like oh because so, I bet the mom was like, oh, no, if you want, he'll be out of the shower. She's like, no, just give him this letter. I, I gotta go. Because she didn't write that after she heard he's in the no. shower. No, she never planned to talk to him, which is kind of. Marissa kinda, has been growing. Kind of lame. And now she's backslid. All right. Well, speaking of Marissa, she instead goes to see Ryan and starts off the conversation incredibly poorly. As she is wont to do. By going, Ryan, I'm sorry. <laughs> just like when she was like, Ryan. Me and Johnny fell asleep last night. <laughs> Nothing happened. Well, man, you totally could have told that story differently. In this one, she goes, Ryan, I'm sorry. Ryan goes, so you picked Johnny? She's like, no, no, I'm sorry for everything before this moment. And Ryan's like, yes, perhaps I cannot get past it. But Marissa would like to try. Yeah, because uh, he just can't stop her fingers, but maybe they could at least have dinner. Caitlin watches an old movie. The Attack of the 60-Foot Woman. Then Johnny shows up, and he manically invites Caitlin to go for a bonfire and tequila. Yeah, this is very clearly a bad sign. Because they've never partied before. Yeah, this 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 is this is a this this is this is textbook this person is depressed. Like they like he because he's too He's happy. too cheery. Yeah. And we saw him. Where did his blue streak go, Kevin? Oh. Washed out in the shower. All right, so we're going to do some jumping around here. Uh, with... Sandy mopes in his office. <laughs> yep. Kirsten uh, brings coffee and snacks. Yep. And she says that she's not concerned about Sandy, like, going over a line, because Sandy always knows where the line goes, and he might get close to it, but she's not concerned about him ever, like, going over it. Accurate. Yeah. Once again, she's ethereal. Seth does a pot. <laughs> and also his stoner rock. Yeah, uh, Summer arrives with some movies, and I guess we we learned that she's actually watching them with them and Marissa and Ryan. Yeah, that was yeah. weird, but... That was spontaneous. But, uh, but she's banging on the door, Seth is Seth, she smells that pot, but she chooses to ignore it for now. Well, she smells something, and which... And Seth claims it's incense. And farts. Yes, which <laughs> is what pot smells like, so... Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah. 
very good. Uh, sorry, now now we get into more uh, serious things. So Caitlin and Johnny are on the beach. She watches him be he's the a, worst. He's dr- he's clearly already drunk. He's drinking straight tequila straight out of the bottle and just poking a dying fire. I mean, he, let's be clear. He should be shirtless and 40. He's being a real Roger in Rent because she's kind of like, can we just like hook up before you pass out? And he's like, what? What? You just do this? You just throw your candle and your fire in my face? <laughs> Uh, once again, as I bring up constantly with Rent, uh, she also wanted him to do drugs with her. <laughs> no, she didn't. She wanted to do the drugs, and she offered, and he said no, and she was like, okay, more for me. Okay. Uh, anyway, and then Caitlin's like, but the fire is romantic. And he's like, the fire, it's kind of dying. <laughs> yeah, Caitlin. Thanks, Roger. Caitlin's starting to feel uh, that, per- that perhaps... You know, forcing someone to confront their emotions uh, is the wrong choice, and constantly pot stirring might have ended up with people getting hurt. So uh, he reads that letter and then he burns it in front of Caitlin. Yeah. This is what I mean by that letter was definitely pre-written. Mm-hmm. We don't get to see what's on it, but it's very incredibly formal and on like stationery and. Well, after he burns that letter, he decides to go rock climbing, which Caitlin does not like. <laughs> well, he's dr- yeah. So I'm, he takes the tequila with yeah, him. Drunk rock climbing—that's a that's a that's a cool, spontaneous emotion. Solid choice. Well, let's um, head over to somewhere else where Julie's also gonna get some drinking on. <laughs> She's gonna drink a real classic old school wine cooler. But fortunately, she is not alone. Uh, she gets a knock at the door, which she thinks is Gus. And she does not want to play strip pinochle with him. Uh, but no, it's Neil, who I swear gets taller every single scene. He is... I know he's he's all been taller than the door. It looks like he's towering <laughs> over, like a giant... He looks like Andre the Giant being like, Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's wearing lifts. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he definitely needs it. His giant man. Maybe Lara Cross is tall, and he wants to always have a certain level of tallness over other people. <laughs> Not just being tall, a certain level of tallness. Anyway, he reveals to Julie, A, that he wants to play strip pinochle, but B, <laughs> he may have liked Lara. She was cool. But he wants Julie. Yeah. He misses her when she's not around, and she's chaos and nonsense. This this is the third thing that clarifies me, that like he definitely was just messing with her and realized he went too far. Well, because, yeah, because Julie came up with a, with a book. He saw Julie was going to mess with him, so he's like, all right, fine, let's play this game. You want to you wanna play romantic chicken? I'll play romantic chicken with you. And he's like, oh, no, your emotions are different than mine. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so they go in the eat hot pockets together and drink wine coolers. Uh, well, let's head back to where Johnny drunkenly rock climbs, and he's doing really good considering he's climbing one-handed. Yeah, well, drunk. It's very scary. That tequila bottle does also reappear and disappear so many times. Yes, I think he tucks into the. He must be tucking it must, somewhere. I think he's wearing cargo shorts because sometimes or he's pants holding or... in his hand, and other times he's using both hands to climb. So. Yeah. But if he's wearing cargo pants, then he's got room for tequila. Yep, and he does seem to uh, reach the top. And then we have a very, which makes a very weird cut. I thought I was going to keep cutting back and forth, but it doesn't actually. It cuts right over to Ryan and Marissa. Who are having some Thai food, and he still does not want to talk about anything. Yeah. But uh, Marissa wants him. Yeah, so they, they, they kiss, and they're kissing, and then Marissa gets a phone call. And then Ryan's like, no, I'm setting a mood. And then, and then uh, she looks at his Caitlyn, and she doesn't want to answer it, but we know she should answer it. And then and Caitlyn keeps calling, so thank God she does answer. Yeah, and Caitlyn's like, oh, you, you gotta come over here. Johnny, he's, he's, like, he's drunk, and he's climbing, and Marissa at this point is like, I don't, like, I can't, I don't really, I don't know, I don't want to. And then she's like, 
Ryan, Caitlin sounds scared. And Ryan takes that phone. Ryan takes the phone. Caitlin goes, Ryan, Johnny's in trouble. Ryan goes, okay. And then, like, 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 here's the one thing I'll say about Ryan that's really nice. That, that, yes, Johnny has been the butt of a lot of problems lately. He hears the tone of her voice and and, jo- the- and some some human being is in trouble and he does not blink. Yeah, he may have hated Johnny three hours ago, but now he's going to save him. Yeah, so, so like, yeah, barely, unlike Marissa, who has to kind of, like, waver on this whole thing, he answers her and he's like, no, I'm good. Remember, Ryan loves justice. Yeah, it was was probably a good thing for Marissa to bring Ryan into it. (laughs) Can you imagine if it was just Caitlin and Marissa just, like, standing at the bottom of the... Rock being like, excuse me. Well, I was more like if uh, if if Marissa did her normal thing where she badly explains the situation. And then ran away. Yeah, you know, where she's like, Ryan, I gotta go. Johnny's sad. <laughs> <They're> like, what? <laughs> We're literally just working on our relationship. Yeah, like it's helpful that it's that, it, that essentially Ryan, like it's become clear to Ryan that this is a real situation. True. Yeah. So, the, uh, so they run off and uh, before we catch up with that, we... we- have a wonky short scene where it is clarified to us that Seth cannot do pot. No, they watched Save the Last Dance, and he decided it is the best thing. However, he also likes the blue end of DVD screens, so... So while he looks into the blueness, Summer decides it's time to go go skulking around. So she talks to Captain Oates, and she's like, you and I both know something's up. What's up? She checks two drawers, and in the second drawer... She finds the pot. And her response is, ew. <laughs> That's very on brand. Yeah. All right, well, let's head to the beach. Which, this scene is shot amazing. Like, I was yeah. anxious watching it. Yeah. And I, I, what, what sort of took me out a little bit is that this is the third time they've played that very slow cover of What Fall at Your Feet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which apparently is Johnny's theme song for this which is weirdly foreboding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But him emo and also has a gun at his back, so. Yeah. So uh, they, so, you know, they go there. Marissa and Caitlin stand at the bottom and hold each other and shout. And Ryan runs up the back of the rock. Yep. Uh, which the, is ha- a hill. The, past the hazardous sign thing. And he's, you know, Johnny shouts down at them, no. And then Ryan's like, Johnny. And Johnny's like, I don't need you, Ryan. As, as soon as Johnny keeps putting so much focus on Ryan, like, He's like, what are you going to do? Save me? Oh, he saved me. I'm going to fall off and you're going to catch me at the last moment. And I'm like, oh, he's going to fall and Ryan's not going to catch him. Because and for it's... a moment, you think Ryan does when he falls. <laughs> I mean. But then you hear that tequila bottle well, shatter. Well, I mean, yeah, I honestly didn't. Just because the amount of time he spent focusing on Ryan being the hero, which was never a problem Johnny had before with Ryan. Because <laughs> Ryan has never been a hero to Johnny. Well, I mean, like Ryan has never saved Johnny from anything. No, yeah, he. I, he's, oh no, I guess Voychuk. Yeah, but I mean, it's not. It was never a thing for Johnny that Ryan was always rushing in and being the hero. Because yeah. Johnny also rushes in and helps people. Ryan, I mean, Johnny loves to hero. Mo- more emotionally help though. Anyway, True. so yes, uh, uh, Johnny realizes he's going to fall about three seconds before he falls. He tumbles back. You hear the smash of tequila bottle, but Ryan has fall has le- leapt down. He has his hand out, but his hand is empty. Ooh. California. It's <laughs> <laughs> not the end title song. But. But, yeah. I do have some guesses, but I. Do you want to save them for after our thing? I don't even know if I want to share them. Like, I, I just, I think this show is very good at giving really, really high stakes and then dialing back on them pretty soon into the next episode. Well, we can talk about that. But first, let's hit that music. Music. 
So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. So, this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where logic stood on the edge of a cliff rock and just pontificated about how tough their life is until they slipped off the rock to plunge into drama? I'm going to give a storyline a CW moment. Oh, cool. And that storyline was the Julie Cooper and Neil storyline. <laughs> it it much like the Johnny storyline, it did rely on having the last episode not happen. In this show, in this particular episode, literally every storyline is a storyline we've done before. Sandy yeah. grappling with, you know, how he can have a high-paying job but also keep his ethics. We did that when he got his corporate lawyer job. Yeah. Um Julie having hijinks. We did it. Marissa creating chaos everywhere she goes. Seth lying to Summer. Like we did all of this in season one. Yeah, there's no real like 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 some some of the specifics are different, but are not enough to make like the the, the was, ground that they're breaking anything new. This was the Bolivar episode all over again, except that Johnny wasn't trying to gaslight Marissa against Ryan. No, 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 it wasn't. But you know, as much fun as the Julia Neal storyline was. <laughs> existed only for that fun yeah it, it it was it was to it was to offset the high stakesness at least of the um the johnny storyline yes. and like I by having that be a sort of a fun kind of like i can't complain about it like i'm not complaining yeah. about it but it is a cw which, moment which is why to make that storyline kind of work you do have to imagine neil mess is that the idea is that neil is sort of poking your back and it kind of makes you wish that he kind of admitted it at the end yeah that he's like so I knew you were doing this. So all week, I've been waiting for you to call me to ask me on a date, and it turns out that you're doing this. Yeah, it would be great if you called back to the fact that Julie being like, you can't call someone. That's not how this works. Yes, exactly. It would be great if Neil was like, I was really hoping you would call me, but then when you did this, I'm like, I oh, figured I'd mess with you. Because he even said to her last episode, he was like, yeah, our lives are complicated. You should contact me when you have time. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. did you find a CW moment? I did, and it is a very small moment. It's not a storyline, but it is in the Neil and um, uh, Julie uh, storylines. And when that's when Julie, after being revealed to Neil as the uh, the spy Audrey Hepburn or uh, old Russian woman, I think it's your one. Yes, yes. Uh, she runs off and she knocks a plate of, I guess, cream into uh, that guy's chest and for like, reasons cause, unknown because it throws cream up in his face but the sound effect behind it is like shattered like glass being shattered in a car crash and also the guy <laughs> just kind of looks down and is like oh look like he holds he holds it to his chest as he looks at her like oh that woman just running by but the sound effect makes it sound like like there should be glass embedded into <laughs> his sternum it is such a over-the-top sound effect is during what we see on the tray. Like, if she walked around and hit, like, a bunch of, you know, glasses off the tray and a spattered across the ground, that would make sense for that sound. But that was just, like, a cream in a, on a tray. Yeah, there wasn't even glass. <laughs> <laughs> like, and the utensils would have made that sound because it hit against his chest and he held it there. So unless if he had a metal... He was wearing, he was wearing armor. <laughs> if, if he was wearing full plate armor and there was some sort of, th like, medieval-themed restaurant, which would have been amazing <laughs> if, the, <laughs> if the place that Neil and Lara Cross went was to a medieval-themed medieval restaurant. And Lara Cross was just like, you know, I once had to raid the tomb beneath this restaurant. <laughs> and Neil's like, are you a human being? <laughs> It seems to me that you are perhaps a video game character brought to life. No. True it, or false? I, I can't help but notice, but your boobs are incredibly pointy and triangles. So? So I think 
I think you are a fake person. I think Julie has set me up with a <laughs> hologram. They set me up with a bunch of polygons. <laughs> All right. <sighs> anyway, yes, so that's the episode. Uh, that's the OC. We're... I have not watched this season of the OC for years. Yeah. Four years. So I'm going to make a wild prediction. And my wild prediction is that Johnny dropped the bottle of tequila but caught himself on the rocks. Um, I think I think he's probably in a coma. Well, we'll find out next week. I, I, I imagine they're going to have an episode where they have to talk about Johnny, but he cannot be part of that but talk. But already had coma boy. I know. I know, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Every story every old storyline is new again that's, that's not even that's not even se- that's like and this that's season. this season some of the storylines are this season re- renewed as i said it's feel like we're in some sort of time loop where they just redid they re they they, they had like a second take of the, at f- a four episode span where they're like hey let's just do it again like why like Johnny could have, and here's the thing, if they kill Johnny, that means they kept Johnny on for a bunch of these episodes just so they could prolong his storyline into a death moment. Because they already could have killed him. Well, and they could have found another way to bring Caitlyn. Well, make Caitlyn flirt, flirt with Ryan. Well, I mean, if, if the idea of a storyline is that it reached, an, it reached a, in, like an interesting end point, like, say what you want about the whole uh, white fanging her by that thing. That still is not a bad endpoint for a character. Mm-hmm. I mean, we haven't even met back up with Teresa again. The last time we saw her was we saw the baby. The mystery baby. And that was last, last season? season? <laughs> yeah, where's that storyline for us? <laughs> Instead, they're going to they're gonna do this Johnny storyline twice in a row. Frig. Oh, man. Oh, see, you guys were so good. And you still have moments of greatness, but you also have this. Yeah, and then and man, now we know now we know the date. August 9th. Once again, we're not gonna be able to end, finish this season. No, absolutely not. <sighs> but uh, not August, October 9th. I know. August uh, 9th has passed. That's like a month. Yeah, that gives us I think five weeks of OC. Yeah, and then so I, I wanna have a I wanna have a prediction. Mm-hmm. Uh it is a very, very specific prediction. But because uh, because because Riverdale tends to play music that I recognize from a specific radio station, <laughs> I want to predict that the, the song Tokyo Police Club, the song Simple Dude, is going to be played in Riverdale over a sex scene. Ooh. Write heard, that down. Have you heard that song? Yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah. Like, that song is a... Riverdale song. Th- that is a sex scene song. Like, yeah. not, not a particularly romantic sex scene song, but like... Everyone's working through their emotions by hooking up. I imagine that. I, yeah, maybe if I, if I'm going to say that is my prediction. I have a, I have a sub prediction within that prediction, which is going to be two groups of people having sex during that song. It's going to cut between them, and one of them will be Reggie and Veronica, and one of them will be FP and Alice coming back into town. <laughs> sure, Grown so, ups. so that is my very specific prediction for uh, for Riverdale. I've been holding to that for a little while, but I don't know. Now's the time. <laughs> I feel like pulling that up. All right. Uh, well, hey, if you like the episode, make sure you tell your friends and you uh, give us a rating, review, a subscription on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you find us. Also, interact with us on the online forum. And by online forum, I mean Instagram and Twitter, Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA. Or you can email us at podcastmoa at gmail.com. And Aaron, anything that you want to say about uh, what you're doing? I'm still a flimsy plan, the blog. Uh, Kevin, I, what about you? Uh, I am uh, We are on Twitter, and once again, you can get my cyberpunk novel, Endless Hunger, available on Amazon or anywhere from the uh, Edge, edgewebsite.com as well, for Edge Ooh. Science Fiction and Fantasy. 
Uh, and my uh, novella se- uh, serial has just come out with his penultimate uh, episode. So that's the fourth out of the fifth for this season. It's out. It's called Tower of Samadel. Uh, I got one more until this season is over, the great, the grand finale. So now would be the time to, you know, pick up and get along with that. Novellas it, are short. You can read all of them before the next one comes out. That's true. And they're all, not that expensive either. They're cheaper than your average book. And they're pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, so th- that's called All Gods Fall. The finale, Babor's Veil, will be released end of September. So catch up on it. And I guess we'll see you next week. Did Johnny survive the fall? Will Seth ever come completely clean with Summer? Will Gus ever achieve his dream of hanging out with the Coopers? For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery, Outsiders, and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? <laughs>